0: The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management.
1: Larry Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Saterra Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Saterra is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Saterra Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of rosenthal wealth management group and affiliated with satira
2: it's time now for making money sense live with larry rosenthal larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now author speaker and talk show host larry rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome, welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal
1: Show. And here he is in studio with us again, as he is every Saturday morning live any broadcast color. Good morning, sir. Well, good morning, Chris, and how are you today? So far, so good. I'm excited to be doing our show today. It's Weather's, uh, weather may be turning good for everybody, hopefully. You know, it's all
3: good. I sure hope so, you know.
1: How's the weather in the financial markets? That's the question
3: here. Well, morning. it's choppy, that's for sure. <laughs> it has been, hasn't it? <laughs> With been. a little bit of cloudiness, right? <laughs> that's right? Some rain and glimmers of sunshine. <laughs> there, there you go, Chris. Well, good morning, everyone, morning. and welcome uh, to, to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. It's open mic Saturday. Give us a ring with any of your financial planning, investment questions, retirement questions, market questions, economy questions. Fed speak, whatever it is is on your mind today, give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Again, it's Open Mic Saturday. Love to take your phone calls here. I'd like to continue to welcome our longtime listeners in the D.C.-Baltimore area on WAVA, as well as our longtime listeners on uh, Sirius XM mm-hmm. Channel 131. Sirius XM, border to border and coast to coast, as you always like to say. Sea to shining sea. Yep. yep, even the mountaintops. So yeah, <laughs> bring it on. So let's give it uh let's open up the phone lines here. Eight five five Rose One Two Three. Again with any questions at all. So you know, to get back to your comment there, Chris, about the weather and the financial markets. <laughs> yeah. You know, before we jump into that, I just want to just sort of say, you know, our hearts uh just, just go out to everyone in Ukraine. Oh, my. And for people here and all around the world who have family and loved ones in Ukraine, you know, our, our, our thoughts and our prayers are definitely with y'all. We hope this thing stops very soon. And, and um, you know, that's, you know, that's, uh, I mean, what else is there to say about that, right? Yeah, you so know? God um, bless them. God bless those people. God bless it, the it, folks. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and at, at the same time, we have to take a look at the financial implications, the economics of, of all of this. What does it mean? What's going on? You know, and 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 in understanding you know the impact of the war in in Ukraine we we have to take a a, a 10,000 foot view at at all of this and from from a GDP standpoint you know gross domestic product the out, the output you know uh, around the globe it's it's going to have it's going to be relatively muted is is what it's looking like you know first of all all the sanctions that have been put on uh thus far anyway have have really been more uh, th- they haven't been pushed toward uh, oil issues, and, and so that's, that's uh, one of the things that, that they've been very careful about because Russia does produce about 10 percent of the world's oil. Hmm. And so a lot of that stuff has been, you know, really driven at at uh, personal uh, stuff towards uh, Putin and, and different things like that. You know, so right now let's just take a look at this and break this down real quick, and then we'll get into the to, to the nuts and bolts of it. You know, so the Federal Reserve right now is going to be erring on the side of caution, at least at this particular point. Okay, um, when we take a look at the size of this and what's going on, if if you measure the world's GDP output as about $100 trillion estimate in 2022, you know, the U.S. basically makes up about 25% of that. China, about 20% of it. Russia's GDP, on, on the other hand, is, is not much at all. Um, you know, it's about 1.5% of GDP. So from that standpoint, it's going to be a relatively muted scenario. And remember, global, you know, global shock of, of sanctions uh, that, that come from energy prices and stuff like that, uh, again, oil is supplied by Russia about 10%, uh, but they do supply about 40% of Europe's natural gas. And so that's a concern right now as as well when you take a look at what's that's going on. That's a big on.
1: number, 40%. That
3: is a big number in Europe, yeah. So we think that, again, uh, domestic diversification is probably good at this particular point in time. Now, uh, you Drone know, Powell came out the other day in his testimony this past week. Uh, before Congress, and obviously they were all asking about all this stuff because the Fed's, you know, official FOMC meeting is March 15th and 16th, uh, you know, co- coming up here relatively soon. <clears throat> but Drone uh, Powell did say that that he would support a 25 basis point rate increase as a result of what's going on in Ukraine right now, instead of a 50 uh, 50 basis points or even 100 basis points, where some people were talking about that just a handful of weeks ago. So the Fed, you know, still has – has, uh, still is going to err on the side of caution, um, you know. And, and remember, unfortunately, shocks like this around the globe, history has shown, don't usually last that long. And at the end of the day, it still comes back to fundamentals. What's corporate profits doing? That's why people buy stock to begin with, and corporate profits are doing very, very well now. The thing we have to be aware of here is the Fed will – the Fed will side with lowering the impact of inflation versus economic expansion, and that's what the Fed's going to do. And so, you know, the Fed is still in its in, in walking its tight line of a balancing mixture of lowering down prices at the same time, continuing to 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 want to expand the economy and 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 uh, you know have have uh, maximum employment at the same time. So, so from that standpoint. You know, it, it, it looks like the Fed wants to be accommodative, but at the same time they're going to keep their eye on, on the inflation pressures. We've already started to see some of the inflation pressures subside. Now, what are you talking about, Larry? <laughs> look at the gas prices. Look at the food and, and prices and things like that, right? Well, you got to remember that, that when economic data comes out, that's sort of a, a a a lagging indicator as to where things are. What I mean by that is when you start to see – for example, very basics, let's suppose the consumer decides to start to slow down his or her spending. That doesn't take effect at the gas pump for you know several weeks, a couple of months down the road. That doesn't take effect at the grocery store line and, until it all catches up into the system. So we are starting to see some of that. When you take a look at the jobs report the other day, the wages uh, did not go up nearly as much as what people thought they were going to go up in February. That starts to show demand destruction a little bit. And one of the things that we have to remember, we have to remember this too, okay, that inflation was running hot before the invasion in Ukraine. Inflation was running hot before the invasion in Ukraine. And energy supply hasn't been, re- been removed from the globe, okay? It's just been pushed up out of fear. So the, the underpinnings of inflation is really there. The underpinnings of the economic expansion and, and the strength of our economy is still there. The strength of wages, the strength of, of, of our corporate profits, it's all still there. All of that was in place before this took, took uh, uh, you know, before the Ukraine crisis uh, actually hit. What, so. caused,
1: what caused that inflation before that hit? What was the reason we were going into an inflationary state?
3: Just basically, Chris, it's the most textbook definition of inflation that we've ever really seen, and that's really too many dollars chasing too few goods. And so how do you end up with too few goods in a growing, expanding economy, and how do you end up with too many dollars? Well, when you go back and you look at COVID-19, mm-hmm. we basically shut down the economy, right? But at the same time, we had all these different stimulus programs, PPP and different programs, just you know, numerous ones, that continued to put money in people's pockets, even though inventory was being burned up for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So there you have inventory being burned up for about a year, year and a half, right? And then all of a sudden, you have all the consumers out there whose bank accounts are pretty flush. And when the economy reopened, demand came on overnight like a light switch, but there was no supply. And so that's the that's the issue that we've had. Now, you still had Um, dislocated supply chains all around the globe from the standpoint of, uh, you know, one manufacturing nation is shut down, another one's open, this and that and the other. You can't get parts all around the globe, just different things like that. So supply chains are still stressed, and it's going to still take a couple of years, I think, to get the supply chains functioning back to where they they originally were. And so that's the textbook deal. We had too many dollars chasing too few goods. And you know, some people are still calling for more and more stimulus, and no, shouldn't shouldn't <laughs> be. It, it should be a tightening scenario right now. We have to slow down. You know, they're, they're, it, inflation is like Goldilocks. Okay, remember the Goldilocks story? Oh yeah. Um, you know, this porridge is too cold. I don't like it. This porridge is too hot. Get it away from me. Ah, oh, this porridge is just right. That's what we want inflation to be like. We want economic expansion. We want a slight amount of inflation. Okay, but not too much and not too little. The, the you know a couple of the fears of on, on economics is too much inflation and deflation at the same time. So we've got too much inflation. The Fed's going to slow it down right now. All right, and and still even if the Fed, you know, if you take a look at at at, at where inflation is today, the the last you know quote unquote print of it, it's at seven and a half percent you know, and, and where's interest rates right now? They're at zero. So if the Fed raises to two and a half and inflation stays at seven and a half, we're still not in a tight economy. There's still plenty of room there, right? But we're not going to do that. It's not, it's just not going to happen that way. When you take a look at how inflation's calculated, okay, inflation's calculated year over year, just like corporate earnings. So where are we now? We're in the first quarter of 2022, right? We're comparing, so, 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 in in uh, in a couple of weeks here, we're going to get the inflation number for February, okay? And people think, oh, it's F- February compared to January. No, it's February of 2022 compared to February of 2021, mm. okay? And so when you take a look at where the economy was in 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 uh, uh, February 2021, when it just opened up. That's a high number of inflation pressures right there, okay? So that's all that quarter, and then the second quarter of 2021, come come August this year or so, is going to drop off in the calculation. You're going to start to see inflation pressures come back down. Now, does that mean that things are going to get uh, reduced at the grocery store and the gas pump? Yes, eventually that will happen. But first you'll start to see the numbers tick down. Then you'll start to see the consumer goods and services start to tick down as a lagging Uh, result of the inflation numbers ticking down. So think of it like this, Chris. Think of it as a roller coaster. You're in the first car. You're going up, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm in the last car. I'm still going up, but you can actually peek over the top of the roller coaster, and I'm still actually going up, right? And so that's how the inflation stuff works. You're going to get the economic data, and then it's a lagging effect at the grocery store, the bank accounts, you the uh, raises. Gas stations, all that kind of stuff. So I'm a, I'm a front seater in the roller coaster with my hands in the air. There it, you go. Yep, yep. 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 <laughs> I'm 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 a great guy on the ground carrying all the stuffed animals and <laughs> things of that nature. There. Okay. Amen. So that's me. Um, but it, you know, b- bottom line is the economy is still there. The economy is still uh, growing. And and so there's a lot of different things that are happening, obviously, all around. And the markets are still going to continue to be choppy. They're still going to continue to trade on headline news, anything the Fed says, anything corporate earnings are doing. You know, this this uh, report the other day that came out really showed that that inflation, just one month, doesn't mean it's a trend, but but really showed that it was starting to 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 subside a little bit, but yet. Some of the headlines, as a result of Ukraine, you know, pushed the markets down yesterday. So, so it's kind of an interesting uh, 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 time right now. Be patient; this will work its way out. You know, we're we're gonna. I'm gonna do a little segment here. I. I was doing some traveling, and, uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about that after the break. I see it's it's, it's quarter after. we got to take a quick break here. So, listen, let's open up our phone lines. Give us a ring. Check us out on TV. You can watch the show live on YouTube. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. You listen to Making Money Sense, and we'll be back in a moment.
4: formerly Karen pregnancy resource centers has been rescuing children and from abortion for over 30 years help provide life hope and truth to women struggling with unplanned pregnancy the life first fundraising gala is April 1st at Fox Chase Manor in Manassas Virginia abortion survivor and keynote speaker Melissa Oden will share her incredible story life first is committed to saving lives from abortion and winning souls for Jesus Christ Join them and register at lifefirstva.org or call 703-330-4572. That's lifefirstva.org.
3: And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard the more risk you get, the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments. However... Can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? You can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives.
4: Seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and the Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855 767 3123. That's 855 Rose 123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show.
1: Welcome back to The Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, we've got some lines available for you right now. 855 767 3123. 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal live here in studio right now. Give us a call. Larry.
3: And I was traveling, and um, I was on, you know, one of those airplane train, you know, subway things that takes you from gate to gate or whatever it is. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I heard a couple guys talking, you know. Uh, this one guy had his phone out. He was looking at his phone, and, and uh, he said, you know, well, it looks like I just, you know, lost my retirement and 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 they were talking about uh uh you know the, the market and i'm and i'm standing there I he couldn't help but to overhear them and i'm looking at them and i'm thinking to myself but well, did you have a hundred percent of your money invested in the russian ruble you know <laughs> <laughs> i was like how did you you know you how does lose that it all yeah, yeah how does that statement he wasn't really listening hold- to you larry on this radio how, how show? does it yeah there you go how does it really hold up to that and and i've so I'm, you know, he's they're right next to me, and I'm I'm going okay. Well, you can't help but to overhear the conversation, and 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 the other guy was kind of like, no, it'll be okay, it, you know, and all this, and and I looked at him, and he was probably you know thirty thirty five years old or so, and it dawned on me, he's never seen a market pullback, he's never had a bear market, he's never really been in you know a lengthy type of a market recession or anything like that. Not saying that that's where we're going, right? Um, but at the same time, I started thinking about that, going, you know, what a what a, what a perception, what you know, what is the perception for the thirty year old, the forty year old, the fifty year old, the sixty year old, you know, so forth and so on, seventy, eighty, and ninety year old, right? It's like dumping what, all your money in Bitcoin. I mean, it doesn't sound like what is the perception of going on right now? Yeah, yeah. and so. You know I, I just wanted to say you know wow that's that was just an interesting perception on that and and the answer to his question, really, if he was standing here with me now in the studio would be buy more, you know at, especially at your age with what you're trying to do yeah. is to buy more. You haven't lost it, you still own those shares yeah, if you love point. if you liked those shares in November last year, you should really like them right now because it's the same company. You know, it's really the same company. Look at the shares of the stocks that you own in your ETFs, your individual stocks, your mutual funds. This, what's going on now, does not stop that, right? Mm-hmm. Even what's going on, even if the even if the war in Ukraine didn't exist right now, even if the Fed was slowing down the economy, it doesn't mean that these companies are going away. It means that the economy is just temporarily being slowed to bring down inflation. But these companies are still innovating. Manufacturing, uh, getting more market share. You know, uh, this is this is you know that's that's what you really need to keep your eyes focused on there. So let's welcome Nelson on the line from Missouri. Good morning, Nelson. How are you today?
5: Good morning. Thank you.
3: How can I help you, sir?
5: Uh, I have a question about bonds that that's always confused me. Do people buy bonds for the yield or for the appreciation?
3: Well, the primary investment objective of bonds is income. Growth is secondary. So they buy it for the yield, not the appreciation of the price. That's the objective. Bonds also serve as sort of a ballast in your portfolio because they're less volatile when the markets go up or down. But the primary objective of bonds first is income. Growth is second. And there's two sides to the bond street, Nelson. There's the, what we call the interest rate sensitive side or the duration side. Okay. And then there's the credit side of the bond street. And so on the interest rate sensitive side, as interest rates go up, bond prices go down. So right now, a lot of bonds that a lot of people that own bonds, they're starting to see negative returns for the year so far in their bond portfolio. Unless they're on the other side of the bond street which is the credit risk side of the bond street. In other words, when interest rates start to go up, you'll start to see those particular bonds go up in value, and the yield also tends to go up as well. So depending on what's going on with Fed policy and interest rates in the market is going to determine which type of a bond you would buy. But still, the objective of bonds is first income, growth is secondary. And if you like, I'll be happy.
5: In a rising rate economy, floating rate bonds, a floating rate bond bond would be good.
3: That is correct. That's exactly correct. You got it.
5: Well, even, even in your answer, even in your answer, that brings up my confusion. I hear people say all the time, oh, I looked at my statement and, oh, I don't want to look at it anymore because things are coming down. And. And the, and I know that in your portfolio they have a lot of bonds, and so if yield is why they bought it, they're reacting to well, you know, everything's coming down and I'm losing value. So that's where my I think my confusion comes from.
3: Let me let me try and explain it a different way to you. <clears throat> there's two there's two two basic types of bonds. There's interest rate sensitive, and there's credit sensitive. And in your statement right there, the people you're talking to only probably have interest rate-sensitive bonds. So remember the seesaw or the teeter-totter that that we used to have when we were kids? I'd be on one side. You were on the other. If I went up, you would go down and vice versa. Those are the types of bonds that, that your friends have. As interest rates go up, their bond value goes down. So remember, in the in the teeter totter there, the seesaw, you could stand with one foot on one side and one foot on the other and balance in the middle. Remember that, okay? Yep. And and so think of it as a timeline. Right in the middle is zero. Then you got one foot away from zero, two feet away, and you go all the way out ten feet, and that's where you sit at the end of the at the end of the board, right? So if yep. I go all the way up on one, on my side and you're all the way down, you're actually down further at the seat than you are one foot away from the middle, correct? Yep. And so that's how interest rate-sensitive bonds work. When interest rates go up, the further out in time that you purchased your bond for maturity, like one month, three months, five years, 10, 15, 20, and 30 years – the more impact that interest rate sensitivity is going to have. So as interest rates are going up and you have interest rate sensitive bonds, the 30-year bond principle is going to go down the most. The 20-year will go down, but not as far as the 30-year. The 10-year will go down, but not as far as the 20 or 30-year. Does that make sense? So, so uh,
5: <coughs> basically what I'm hearing you to say is, number one, it doesn't negate what you said people are buying bonds for yield and that's correct you're even buying interest rate sensitive or credit rate sensitive bonds everybody's buying bonds for yield but apparently when they see their statements they don't really know what they own so they get worried when they see the value of their portfolio coming
3: down are both of those statements true that is correct that is exactly correct Because the yield is still being paid. Even if your bond principal is down, you're still getting your yield, right? Okay. So what does it matter? If you bought it for income, you still get the check in the mail each month, right? So so if the principal's up, you're still getting the check. If the principal's down, you're still getting the check. What's the investment objective? Income. So it really doesn't matter. But you have to understand what that piece of your investment portfolio is designed to do. Now, on the other side of bond street, as you mentioned, the credit side or the floating rate side, there, as interest rates go up, principal value will tend to go up, especially watch what happens if the Fed continues to raise. If the Fed's going to raise a couple of times, you won't really get the float on it. But if the Fed raises a little bit more, not only will you see principal value go up, most likely in those in those floating rate funds, but you'll also see the yield continue to go up. So it's a matter of economic uh, – it's a matter of monetary policy, monetary uh, direction on what types of bonds that you really want to own. They're both going to give you a ballast in your portfolio, and both of them are designed for current income.
5: So even if you have floating rate bonds, it doesn't matter what kind of a bond you have. If you know what you're doing, you're buying it for
3: yield. Yeah, you you want to buy it for yield? That definitely, you know, and 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 because that's the primary objective of it. But at the same time, if you can figure out a way based off of interest rate direction to get some capital appreciation on the value of those bonds, why would you not do that too? And so that's there, where
5: so that that would almost begin to function like a stock. You could get dividends. Uh, And capital appreciation, you can get both.
3: Well, you could do that in stocks, and you could do that in bonds. That's correct. Now, there's a whole whole section of bonds that have credit risk. You've got floating rate bonds. You've got high-yield or junk bonds and and, and a couple of other things in there, Um, convertibles and things like that that will tend to act more like an equity position, still give you yield. But now you're getting more volatility in your portfolio versus the traditional types of bonds that are going to be sort of almost flatlined as far as volatility goes. So, you know, you can, you can take a piece of the pie at dessert and be satisfied and happy. You can get two pieces of pie and be a little bit more satisfied, and then all of a sudden you get three pieces of pie, and now you're just feeling horrible. And that's how you can incrementally increase risk not only in stocks but in bonds as well. And, and so okay. – the, the, so the objective the of bonds. Gonna
5: re- the way I'm going to remember it is, and, and I need to know if this is a, an accurate overall summary. It doesn't matter what, it, how much knowledge people have about why they're buying it. People are buying bonds for income for yield.
3: That's correct. That's the primary investment objective of bonds is current income, yield. Yeah. You're welcome. I'd be happy to send you out some information on the differences between the types of bonds. I'll put you on hold here, Nelson, and if you want, Bob will get your information and we'll send it all out to you. Appreciate the phone call. If you're listening to Making Money Sense, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855 Any questions at all, it's open, Mike, Saturday. Bonds, stocks, whatever it is that's on your mind today, give us a call. 855-ROSE-123. So we're starting to see some articles out there right now about buy and hold is dead, right? <laughs> And it's interesting to me when, when when this happens, you know, let's go back and look in 2020 when COVID hit. Let's go back and look in 2008. Let's go back and look at all these different time frames. And you start to see when we start to see market volatility, especially when we get into correction, materi- uh, not material, correction uh, areas. Territory, market- yeah. Territory. There you go. Thank you, Chris. When we get into correction territory corrections are you know pullbacks are less than 10 corrections are 10 bears are 20 right Mm -hmm. and that's just the way the, the 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 definition's always been for a long time so when you start to see us get into correction territory you start to see more conversations about you know market timing this and market timing that that's the way to go in this type of a market and things like that and and you should always be looking at 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 market timing and and stuff like that. That's what you, you're starting to see some of these articles starting to appear now. And the reason I'm bringing it up is I have seen some. And so I'm going, hold it, stop, wait, let's go back and take a look at this, okay? You know, well, what has happened in the markets before is, is you know, there's, there's the buy and hold has, you know, when the markets come back at some point down the road, Then you're going to start to see those articles switch back to buy and hold. See, I told you it should be buy and hold, right? And so what about a combination of both? What about a little bit of uh, tactical movements, you know, a couple of little things right now where you're readjusting, rebalancing, and stuff like that? Um, You know, my, my point is this. There's a lot of financial uh, – boy, Chris, I wish I had that article. I, I once wrote an article on the difference between financial fact and noise, and, and I'll just summarize it from a long time ago. There's a lot of financial noise out there these days, um, and and so you've got to take a look at the facts, and where do the facts start? The facts really start with what your objectives are, your financial plan. What are you trying to accomplish, not only today but long-term down the road as well, right? Uh, so, so don't get caught up into a lot of these different uh, scenarios when it, when it all comes down. You know, the wise investor, the educated investor is going to continue to be disciplined and patient and take advantage of opportunities like this by either rebalancing or by um, uh, introducing new money when when the market's down. So, So make sure that you're on top of it. Make sure you understand what's going on with your financial time frame, your investment risk, your objectives, and things like that. Hey, let's keep those phone lines open. Give us a ring today with any of your financial planning or investment questions. If you have questions on estate planning, the market, what's going on with the economy, the Fed, your 401K, government TSP retirement accounts, dial us up at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment.
4: the cdfi.org your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community go to the CDFI.org. make a difference go to the cdfi.org
3: and here's another money minute with larry rosenthal so many different ways to invest money lump sum deposits buy and hold market timing How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse dollar cost average out during your retirement years
4: now nationwide and coast to coast from sea to shining sea call now 855-767-3123 that's 855-ROSE-123 live from the nation's capital this is the Larry Rosenthal show
1: Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. Hey, we have some lines available. We'd love to hear from you. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. And you talk to Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert here in studio.
3: Larry. Sure, Chris. Let's try and tie a lot together here in Proverbs 11, uh, verse 4. It says, Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And so, you know, times like this, it's... it's uh, Uh, very good opportunity to really start you know taking a look at scripture and what the lord has to say about you know what's going on in the world and and in our lives and in our own hearts and money too you know and remember who owns it and what our role is with it all and um you know not not put it first before him at all that's for sure so and 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 uh you know that that can roll us over into some planning strategies right so what 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 are some planning strategies for income for growth? I was thinking about this uh, on, on the way in this morning, and one of the things I wanted to talk about, which doesn't get talked about a lot at all, and it's a good strategy, um, the is something called split funding and annuity. Okay, uh, a split funded account. What is a split funded account? What does it mean? You know, and you can do this traditionally with an annuity or without an annuity too and let me explain this as an example let's suppose that you said you know what let's uh take the typical age 65 i'm 65 and i want to generate some income but at the same time i'm concerned down the road about making sure i have enough income at, down the road as well and so a split funded strategy works very similar like this where you take you know a portion, maybe 30%, 40% of your, of your dollars, and you drop it into an income delivery vehicle. In this first example, I'll use it as an annuity. You drop that percentage into an annuity, and you have it, uh, that annuity pay you out that money, that principal and interest that's in there for maybe five, seven, ten years period of time. While that money's coming out, if you take a look at the other portion, the other 70 or 60 or 70% of your money that's not in there, that's designed to grow back to what the original principal was that you turned on that 30% with inside the annuity. So this way you, you can actually get a little bit higher income versus just traditional dividends that are inside your portfolio and it's kind of an a, an interesting thing when you take a look at the different products that are available out there this is a way that you can sort of spice up if you will or increase your income in retirement years by continuing doing by continuing to do these rolling split funded strategies now what about the people out there that hate annuities right okay Some people out there love annuities. Some people hate annuities. Can you do that type of an income strategy without an annuity? And the answer is yes, you can. You can split fund your account. In other words, you can take a piece of your account and put it into vehicles that that give you an income strategy while the rest of the portfolio is still continuing to grow. Now, the difference between using an annuity for it versus not – is you'll see the principal going up and down, just like our caller called a little while ago. Going, hey, bonds are designed for income, but how come the principal goes up and down? So if you're looking at using an equity type position for income, the equity principal will go up and down over time, but your income's still going to be pretty steady as it continues to come through as long as dividends are being paid, right? And we all know they're not guaranteed, but they usually do uh, get get paid so there 's a couple of different ways that you can take a look at slicing off a piece of your portfolio into what we call a split funded strategy and as interest rates go up in value or, or go up over time, I should say as the Fed continues to raise interest rates, you know think about this for a second if if the fed 's able to to raise interest rates to the point where inflation peaks and then plateaus and then starts to subside. And we don't roll into a recession, but yet wages continue to rise, corporate earnings continue to grow, the economy continues to expand. Wouldn't it be nice one day, Chris, to have your your, your bank account paying you 3.5% interest again?
1: <laughs> I haven't seen that in my lifetime.
3: <clears throat> yeah, there you go. But it would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd it would be kind of neat to, to to see that scenario that's when you'll see the annuity split-funded strategy come back into play a whole lot more so than just split funding into other dividend-paying type stocks. But at the same time, that does mean that we do have a new level of inflation, and as long as wages are up there, it it should be okay. Can I ask you a question about
1: annuities on that that split fund? So if you've got an annuity, it's just really the primary reason is for income. That's why you would have it. It's for reliable income that's steady and never going to go up or go down, right? Right. essentially. Right. So that's uh, that's my, my question is, is why wouldn't you want to, and especially in a time like this, have your money kind of moved into an annuity?
3: So, Chris, there's there's again, there's just different schools of thought out there on income protection and desires and you know if i brought a hundred financial advisors in the studio right now the first third are going to tell you always put money in an annuity i know i know i know advisors that put that that's all they use for clients is annuities Mm -hmm. and i know advisors that refuse to put any money into annuities okay um you know and so I, i like all the different products we have clients that are in annuities and out of annuities and we have clients that that own some and don't own some you know and 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 things like that and so the objective is, you know, to get a, 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 an absolute minimum guaranteed income, okay, uh, you know, for, forever. You think, think about this from, from the standpoint of, of it like this. Let's suppose that, just to do some simple math, let's suppose that you said you need $5,000 a month to live off of, okay? And, and Social Security, just so I can do math easy, is going to give you 2000 a month. Now you got a $3,000 a month gap, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say you're 60 years old or whatever, and you go, man, i got a $3,000 a month gap. That means I've got to rely on the stock market for the next 30-some years to give me that $3,000 a month gap, right? Well, what happens if I took a piece of my money and put it into an annuity and it paid me $1,500? Now I've got $3,500 a month coming in regardless of what happens to the economy regardless of what happens to the stock market interest rates whatever it may be and now you only need fifteen hundred dollars a month to come in Mm -hmm. from from your other investments so so from that standpoint I've seen people say you know what based off of our risk and our desires and things like that we're more concerned about making sure we have enough money each month versus worried about trying to grow our money to the moon okay Um, And so some people there will tend to lean the needle towards more guarantees of their income during their retirement years with growth versus saying, no, I want growth, 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 and I'll figure out the income later. So there's different. There's two schools of thought on all of that, and you hit, you nailed it right. You know, hit, you hit the nail right on the head there, as as far as how that that really plays out. But there's different types of annuities out there. There's different types of of vehicles. Now, there's different types of bells and whistles that you can add to an annuity, and you can have a basic annuity chassis, and then you can add income riders, death benefit riders, all different types of scenarios. Sounds and like building access- a hot rod there almost, you know. That's right. We've actually started to see, you know, the industry's very very competitive. These insurance companies are extremely competitive with their with their products of, of offering when it comes to annuities and just in the, just in the last couple of months we've seen some new types of annuity offerings come out that that you know, we've actually you know been happy, pretty pretty pleased with it. So, you know, it doesn't mean that you you run out and put everybody's money all into annuities. No, but for people in that income conversation, you know, annuities are definitely a a an offering point that people should get educated on and determine if it's right for them or not. You know, you don't, you know, you, you go to the doctor, and 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 the doctor's looking at the, you know, the at, at the bone sticking out of your arm, and 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 he's going, well, let me take a look at your ankle. You know no no hold on a second let's let's go let's go examine what the objective is here first right and so when somebody's talking about income strategies you have to bring i believe as a financial advisor we have to bring all the choices to the table when it when it comes to that, you know, and an annuity is one uh, versus high dividend stocks versus other strategies and things like that. But but um, you know, bottom line here is get educated. Make sure that you understand what it is that you're looking at, especially in the annuities. And and if you're looking at annuities, please shop them. Get with somebody who understands them. You know, a lot of times. When you're looking at at an annuity, it might be best. It might be an interesting approach if you just go paid an independent financial advisor – his or her hourly rate for time to shop the annuities for you because a lot of times they're coming from somebody who's out just selling annuities right and so now you can hire somebody to get them on the same side of the table with you to give you an analysis of everything and there's no sales pressure in that and things like that because they can be a complicated subject or a complicated product for people that don't really understand all the ins and outs of it all. Hey, let's give us a ring here at 855-ROSE-123. If you've got an annuity, give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. We've got to take a quick break here. I'm Larry Rosenthal. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Oh, before we do, go visit our website, LarryRosenthal.com. And sign up for our newsletter, follow us on Facebook, check it all out. We send out a weekly market commentary. We've been getting a lot of people signing up for this because of our weekly market commentary. There's no cost to it at all. But uh, we do get into some in-depth and charts and graphs and different things on our weekly market commentary. So give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. Back in a moment with more, Making Money Sense
4: Life First, formerly Carenette Pregnancy Resource Centers, has been rescuing children from abortion for over 30 years. Help provide life, hope, and truth to women struggling with unplanned pregnancy. The Life First fundraising gala is April 1st at Fox Chase Manor in Manassas, Virginia. Abortion survivor and keynote speaker Melissa Oden will share her incredible story. Life First is committed to saving lives from abortion and winning souls for Jesus Christ. Join them and register at lifefirstva.org or call 703-330-4572. That's lifefirstva.org.
3: And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401K plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives.
4: Delivering sound financial advice you can depend on. You found the Larry Rosenthal Show. Call now with your questions. 855-767-3123 or stop by Rosenthal.com. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome
1: back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. 855-767-3123. We've got time for a few more calls here. We'd love to hear from you. 855-767-3123. Larry.
3: Sure, Chris. Let's go ahead and welcome uh, Tracy on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Tracy. How are you?
5: Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you?
3: I'm well. How can I help you today?
5: Yes. I was uh, just wondering, for somebody who would want to put the most amount of money in like a short-term thing, you know, old school, I remember as a kid, we would always just buy savings bonds. And I was just kind of curious if bonds are... I mean, you don't hear about them anymore if bonds are still a good thing to buy.
3: So bonds, Tracy, the, the objective of bonds is current income. And one of the things that you don't hear a lot about it as a result is because the yield or the interest rate on the bonds has been so low, it's not keeping pace. They're not keeping pace with taxes and inflation. And, and growth okay. is secondary. And so it's, it's been, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why. And and especially today, again, there's two sides to the bond street. As I talked to a, a caller earlier, you know, the, your traditional types of bonds that, that people would buy tend to go down in value as interest rates rise. So you have to know what types of bonds to buy in a rising interest rate environment. There you could get some capital appreciation on the principle of them and increase your income. Um, you know, it's very interesting, too, back in 19 – I'll just give you a quick history lesson here. Back in, in 1986 or 87, the Tax Reform Act, prior to then, when a mutual fund would pay a dividend or a capital gain, that was not a taxable event. And as a result of that, it became a taxable event in mean, that tax changed hmm. that year. And ever since then – People have still wanted to have their stocks and their bonds and things grow, but your, when your dividends became taxable, they became less appealing. And 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 the right. argument then has and still is: Well, wait a minute, I'm not using this money for income; I'm reinvesting. Why do I have to pay taxes on it? Well, why? Because the government changed the rule on it, right? And ever since then, um, uh, you know, your your certain types of, of of investments have been less favorable. And, and things have been pushed to being more growth-oriented on paper. But at the bottom line here is since the 2008 financial crisis uh, and interest rates have been squashed way, way down, we've been in a very low environment for bond yields, and we're going to continue to be in a low environment for bond yields going forward, even though the Fed is looking to raise interest rates. So from that standpoint, okay. if you're wanting to seek income, then you have to take a look at some other investment vehicles such as a higher dividend paying stocks, higher dividend bonds, but they bring different types of of risk, different types of a conversation to the table. And I can send you out some information on the different types of bonds and high dividend paying stocks and things like that if you'd like to get some, okay?
5: Actually, we're going to set up an appointment. I think that was one of the options when I called the phone. If I hit option 2, I you could set up appointment. We w- were also curious about crypto and all these other things. So Yes, I'm going to set up appointment. Okay. That,
3: that sounds good. I'll put you on hold, and Bob will get your information, and then he'll go ahead and set that appointment up for you. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. You know, uh, again, go check out our website, larryrosenthal.com. Sign us, uh, follow us on Facebook. Sign up for our monthly newsletter. You know, we did a webinar. Uh, week before last, um, and we 're going to be doing another one here coming up pretty soon on on market commentaries and and things like that. I want to stay in touch and just keep things you know uh, you know a, again, the markets are going to continue to trade on headline news in the short term. Keep your eye focused on the long term this is not going to continue forever right and and um, you know just kind of go from there so so you know in the last few minutes of the show here, what what are some of the uh, the risks? What are some of the blind spots that people have in this market, in in your financial plans, and and things of that nature? And one of the blind spots is the emotional investing of short term uh, scenarios, not understanding what your finish line really looks like. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. What does your finish line look like? You know, and it's and it's, it's an interesting scenario because you want to make sure that that you know, your, your accounts aren't getting beat up too much right now, but yet at the same time, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. In other words, you don't want to get rid of a lot of your quality investments, right? And, and you, they will come, you know, over time, things will come back uh, after, after things sort of, sort of stretch out. And, and, and my, my, uh, what I, what I want to drive home the point is this, is how does your financial plan look today? You know, if the market goes up 10% from here, how does your financial plan look? If the market stays flat from where it is today for the rest of this year, how does your financial plan look? If the market drops, how does your financial plan look? This is important. Understand what's what your objectives are in your financial plan. Stick to it, okay? Um, you know, and, and and things of that nature. There, I'm pretty uh, optimistic in our economy. Uh, going forward, I think the Fed has been doing a great job. Uh, Have been, they? Maybe they're a little behind the, the times as far as raising rates goes, but they always are. What'd you say, Chris?
1: I said, yeah, you know, It sounds like a. I mean, I, believe, I agree with you. They seem to be doing a fairly good job.
3: Well, and corporate earnings are still coming in great, you know, and, and you know, so have a good weekend, you know, <laughs> as far as that <laughs> Enjoy
0: goes. Enjoy your time.
3: Man. Yep, let's go ahead and, and uh, let's welcome. We don't uh, have time for that one. I'm sorry, we're just a real, Oh, we don't? Okay, We just, I saw we just got a call. We'll grab them when we real get, real get off quick. the air. Uh, I'll, the I'll, stay on, I'll stay in studio afterwards and, and, and answer this, this uh, quick phone call here. Um, anyway, so that, I guess, uh, here's the countdown music coming in. Yep, so, Chris, you can uh, you can catch us next week here for another session of making money since the Larry Rosenthal show if you have questions on things during the week we get a lot of people that shoot us off an email and ask us some questions go to my website Larry and feel free to shoot us off some emails there sign up for our newsletters follow us on Facebook or just give us the, a call in the office at 855-ROSE123 as soon as we get done that 800 line switches back over to our, our toll free number in our office so for a bob in the back And Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Saturday with another session. The Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense.
1: Well, we're continuing on here on YouTube
3: and you can go ahead and grab that call Hello hello this is Larry May I help you
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the Intel world had been up to. he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. this set off alarm bells.